0: Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David O'Gaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869. Or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Alright, praise the Lord. Let's continue with uh, our study on Jesus coming in the clouds, and today I'm going to be dealing with a very specific area as we move on, but uh, this is the six of this subtopic and coming with the clouds. And then if you're dealing with the rainbow angel, it's part number nine. Our tests remain the same. And for those of you joining us for the first time on live broadcast, we're dealing with Jesus coming in and through the clouds. So we go back to Revelation 10, verse number 1. Revelation 10, verse number 1, the Bible says, And I saw another mighty angel came down from heaven, cluttered with a cloud. And a rainbow was upon his head, and his feet was as it were the sun, and his feet are pillars of fire. This is part of what we've been dealing with, essentially the main topic of text that we are considering, where the question came from. But I want to be reading a few things uh, in relation to part of the things I've been dealing with before. So let's quickly look at First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse number 12. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse number 12. And the word says... And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one towards another and towards all men, even as we do, towards you. And then verse 13. And it said, To the end, He may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all His sins. Coming with all his sins. What I want you to pick there is with. Coming with all his sins. But there's a, a stronger statement that Paul made again in Second Thessalonians 1, verse number 6. I offer a stronger statement that he made in this place. But I want you to know the first one we just read is talking of coming with his saints. Now, 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 6 says, Sin, it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Now, I want you to know this because it's very, very important in that which we call audience relevance. Audience relevant. He made this statement here to says, Sin is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Now, I want you to pick that because it's very important. To them. He's speaking of a certain people. Is that okay? That trouble you. And again, the you, ordinarily, is not referring to you in quote, but it was referring to the Thessalonica church that it was writing to. The saint in church in Thessalonica. Is that okay? Fine. So, them that trouble you. It's referring to two people there. The first people there are the Judaizers. Then the second people there are the Christian believer. When I say the Judaizers, I'm talking about the Jewish believers who were actually persecuting the Christian church. Is that okay? Good. So, Paul is saying here is this a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them. That know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall be punished for everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Now verse 10 is the key that we need tonight. When he shall come to be what? Glorified in the saints. Praise the Lord. And to be admired in all them that believe. Because our testimony among you was believed in that day, and this is very important. I want you to catch those things that I've just tried to atomize for you. Those that trouble you, them that trouble you, is that okay? Right. And um, by the way, the book of fourth Thessalonians, even Second Thessalonians, written around A.D. 50-51, that's when it was written, and we do know that Jerusalem fell in A.D. 70. Is that okay? So that is about some eight years or so before the fall, if you will. Praise the Lord. So primarily here we find that he was dealing with the Judaizers, that the Jewish people that were particularly the saints, were the Christian congregation in Thessalonica. That's what it was rising about. You see, it is true that we can apply that. It is true that we can bring it to our days because Christians are be still persecuted today, right? But primarily is something that was fulfilled in the life of those people and there was actually uh, a recompense to those people who will not receive the gospel of the kingdom that was preached by christ and his apostles at that time so here he said the lord is coming to be glorified in the saints and then to be admired in them by all now i want you to look at that because that's the key point again we need to observe um, The last verse, verse 10. It says, glorify in the saints and to be admired in all them that believe. Those things are very important. I mentioned this some time ago. When you look at this scripture, there are two things there. When those who don't believe are facing through whatever we call judgment, those who believe are getting to the place of exaltation and admiration. Is that okay? Very good. So, it's, 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 it's going just that. Okay, now. Um, just like I said, this was done in the AD 70. Uh, but I want to give us a typical example of what it means to be admired in the people. Praise the Lord. Now, you turn with me to Act chapter 4 and verse number 13. And this is very important. Act 4 verse number 13. Praise God now when they saw the boldness of peter now you know this story I actually have to come from chapter three is that okay our chapter three is where you find that they healed the man that was lame at the beautiful gates remember that yeah all we know about that story is silver and gold have i known that's the only thing we always remember very good is that all right you know the story isn't it okay now this man was healed and was jumping around in the temple and everybody was you know, looking at them and believing into what uh, Peter, James, and John have done, and then we we'll find at the council the high priest, Pharisees came and said, "Men, don't talk about this name anymore." Is that okay? Right. That's the picture. So, verse thirteen is the key thing I want you to see in relation to Fourth Second Thessalonian One, verse ten. Now, verse thirteen says, "Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they, ha- they were on land." and ignorant men, they marveled. That's the word I want you to look at that. They marveled and took knowledge of them that had been with Jesus. Is that okay? They marveled and took knowledge of them that had been with Jesus. Now verse 14 says, And beholding the man which was healed. So you see the marveling thing is because of the man that was healed. Beholding the man that was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it, and this came about, I mean, this marveling, like I'm saying, is a result of the man that was healed. Is that okay? Right. Now, if you take the word marvel, like we find there, it's very, very um, crucial. First of all, let me say this. When Peter said in Act 3 verse 6, silver and gold have I known, he meant to say something else. He was trying to say at the same time, I do not have natural thing, but I have the Christ within me. Is that okay? Right. I may not have silver and gold to give to you, but there is something that I have that I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus, let's open walk. But another way of looking at it is this man was already in him. The Christ was already in him. Because he came out of him. Is that okay? Praise the living God. All right. So I want you to get that, and also very important. So Christ was glorified now in Peter. Did you understand what I'm saying here? Because 2 Thessalonians 1.10 says, when it come to be revealed and to be glorified in the saints, in all them that believe. Is that okay? Now Peter was here glorified, and the Bible says, they marvel at him. Now the world marvel. To Tomaso in the Greek actually means to wonder, to admire, to have in admiration. And that's exactly what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 10. That when it comes to be glorified and to be admired in all, them that believe. Can you get that? Very good. So the admiration here was completely demonstrated because Peter did what? Healed the layman that was very good. Praise the Lord. So when you look at that in terms of His coming, now this has to do with the coming. If Christ is glorified in you, then there are things that you are going to be doing that make men that do not believe to do what? To marvel. That's the coming of the Christ. We and His people. You need to understand that. When He shall come to be revealed and to be glorified in the saints. And that's a major thing because... It is that when this glorification begins to take place fully, that's where we are going to be seeing what we call the manifestation of the sons of God. Praise the living God. you following me? I want you to get it because it's very, very important. When it comes to be glorified in the saints, I want to re echo this so that you can pick it. To be admired in all them that believe. Praise the Lord. So Paul said here, The saints will be admired when Christ comes to be glorified in them. Second Thessalonians 1 verse 10. Praise the Lord. So when the Christ comes within you, there is a glorification. Now, how many of you understand? In John 2, when Jesus told water to the wine, there's a statement that is made there. The beginning of the miracles... Of Jesus, remember that, okay? And then the next thing you find is he was glorified. There was a glorification because of the performance of that miracle. Is that okay? Revealing the first sign that he is actually the Son of God. So when God is glorified in you, that's what I'm trying to emphasize. You come to the place where automatically you'll be doing some signs or wonders and miracles. And this is how Christ is going to be glorified in his church, as demonstrated by Peter in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. Now, I would like us to understand, i we don't have the time to do with that, but when the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 um, that verse 13, they were ignorant men, it doesn't mean they were illiterates as far as the Jewish culture was concerned i've explained that here sometime remember that they were not sac illiterate because from one to twelve years there's a study you undertake you, you study the torah the whole five books of moses right it's called beth Sefer. you've got to go through the whole bible of uh, the old testament that when you finish with that you go through beth Mispar. that's the second stage this time you could be learning some trade like guess we're learning trade you You take on to studying the prophets and the law and then the Psalms. You see, that is the second stage. Now, you find that all Jewish children must go through the first stage. After that, you look for a prophet or a teacher or a rabbi. And then you go and say, can I be like you? You look for. You say, can I be like you? Now, he's going to question you based on the Batmister, the things you've studied before, the Torah. Now your explanation or whatever could not come to say, okay, lick my dust. When he tells you lick my dust, what it means is follow me. Because when you go through the Palestinian region, you find that there's a lot of dust. There was no tar road. So if you are disciples following, of course, the dust from his sea is going to be rubbing on you. So lick my dust means follow me. That's the language. Are you following what I'm talking about? Fine. So, but it's you that look for the rabbi. And then you ask the question, can I be like you? And that's why Jesus said in Matthew, every servant must be as his master. Is that okay? But when he got to John chapter 16, he said, you did not choose me, I chose you. Are you getting that? So what happened now is, instead of Peter looking for Jesus, Jesus looked for Peter. Are you getting that? Good. And now, why people like Peter and those people he chose could not qualify to have a rabbi, they have to go to their own parents' business. Because if you don't have a rabbi to follow, you go to your father's business. So now, all of them have to go to fishing because they couldn't find a rabbi that they will follow to be their master. That's why they went to fishing. So what Jesus actually did was, he picked the people that the high society landed Pharisees rejected to form his kingdom. So the neglect of the society are the ones he picked. To form his discipleship. And I mentioned before, he started his discipleship at the age of 12. All of his disciples were already with him at the age of 12. He didn't start ministry, in quotes, at the age of 30. He started ministry at the age of 12, but entered public ministry at the age of 30. According to the book of Leviticus. You have to be 30 to be able to serve in the temple. So, when Jesus was baptized, he was 30. Right? So he did public ministry for three and a half years, but that was not the beginning of when he started ministry. He started ministry at the age of twelve. And all of those people that were with him, they were actually below the age of twenty. The oldest man among them was Peter. Peter was senior to Jesus. Peter was about eighteen years old. But the rest were actually below eighteen years old. So he worked with what I would call youth. And so I used to say Jesus started a revolution with youth. So he was a youth leader. Praise God. Just a little bit of history for you. Amen. Okay, so. There we go. So now let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. A very strong statement now. I want to look at 4 Thessalonians 4, verse 17. And it says, ah, Then we shall live and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Now, I tried to explain this extensively last week. Caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with who? with the Lord. Now, there's a need for you to understand. We're going to touch two things in this, meet the Lord in the air, and then so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, you need to understand it. It didn't say we're going to go up and come down. We we'll go up and stay with him. And so shall we ever be. So, if, if that is what we call the rapture, what it simply means is once you get raptured, you're not coming down. So, the theory that rapture will come down after one year and then rain, whatever, I mean, it doesn't fit the scriptures. Praise the Lord. You getting that? Okay. So, that's what he said there. And then I tried to explain last week as well when he said, and then those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with which people? With them. Who are the them? The persecuted saints who died. Is that okay? Very good. These are the them. That's what we said. To be alive and remain means you are in Christ. But an aspect of your life has not be properly resurrected and functioning in righteousness. That's what it means to be alive and remain. That is not to say where lives some have died, some in cemetery, trumpet concert, and then cemetery open, the graves are open, we begin to fly up there. This thing be playing on the internet, every now and then, sometimes when I, I, people, I don't know why, they try to tag me with it, you know, people flying up, you'll see them going up. (laughs) Funny thing, funny thing. Okay, anyway, let's go on. Then I said, this cloud, which we'll find here, That we are caught up into speaks of our union with the departed saints of old. Right through the clouds of witnesses like we find in Hebrew 12 verse 1. Remember that? Very good. And then the ones who fell asleep in Jesus in 4th Thessalonians 4 verse 14. Right? We have those who fell asleep and he said don't be sorrow for those who fell asleep as if they have no hope. That's what he was saying. So, these are the categories of people that were caught up with in the clouds. In other words, this cloud is forming a corporate body of the saints of Christ. Both departed and those physically alive. That's what it stands for. It's not talking about a physical cloud up in the sky. Praise the Lord. Okay, the next thing we we'll find here in this passage is to meet the Lord. And for me, this is very, very interesting. I'm going to explain something to you today. Always the concept is when the trumpet sounds, we are going to fly up and meet Jesus. That means Jesus is not coming down. We meet him up in the sky. I'm sure that's what you know. That's what what you've been taught. Is that okay? Alright, but I'm going to explain something to you. To meet in Eastern language, from which the Aramaic language, from which the Bible is written, or was written, to meet means to welcome. That nothing to do with you going to meet somebody up somewhere. Nothing to do with that. It means to welcome. I'm going to give you a typical example on that. Look at Mighty 25 and 6. Mighty 25 and 6. Praise the Lord. Now, this is what we call the midnight cry. Hmm? You know the story about the midnight cry? Which has to do with the five virgins that were foolish, five were wise, and at midnight cried. The wise one took the land, but the foolish one have no oil in their lands. Is that okay? You know the story, right? Okay. So when the trumpet sound, the one at the midnight cry. And said, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Go ye out. He didn't say go up. You got to find the difference for Go ye out. That means, now, I'm going to explain something here. In this culture, if I was going to get married, right? Now, where I'm going to go to, to meet, to take my bride, I'm actually going to the parents' house as it were. And when I start coming, normally I come in the night. I don't come in the daytime. That's the culture. And that is why you discover that. Jacob was able to sleep with Leah without knowing because it was a night thing. He only discovered when it was day that this was not the sister. Come on, are you there with me? Very good. That's the culture. So now this is what happens. If you're gonna get married today, for instance, you come later in the night and then the bridegrooms, the, what you call today now, uh, bridesmaid, whatever, they line up the street with their lamps. Oil in their lamps, you know, they carry vessels with a little wick on it and the oil in it and they'll be burning. So they light up the road and then you're going to come and then as they are coming, the bridesmaid or what you call the best man today will now announce that a bridegroom is on the way. Is that okay? And don't forget Jesus, I mean John said he is a bridegroom and Jesus is a bride. Are you getting that? Very good. So now you do that announcement, and then the ladies who are with the oil, they move out to line up the road and wait for the bridegroom to come. Now when the bridegroom arrives, there is already a place prepared for that night where the feasting is going on. The bridegroom sleeps with the bride. Then to approve the fact that this bride is a virgin, because the law in Israel is, you don't give somebody who is the virgin to somebody. So when that is done, what happens the next morning? They bring out the best thread, and it's normally white, and it has to have stain on it that the girl was a virgin. If there is no stain, you bring it to the public and you tell the people, the woman that my father-in-law gave to me is not a virgin. And then they hold the girl and the father responsible, and as a matter of fact they said, Maybe they kill, whatever, according to the law of Moses. That's the picture. Is that okay? So, the one says, go ye out. He didn't say go up, because the man is coming. So go out and do what? Meet him. What it means is go and welcome the bridegroom. Go and welcome the bridegroom. That's what he's saying. From Matthew 25. Are you following what I'm saying? Very good. So he didn't say go up. Now, if you take another, maybe a simpler translation, like, uh, the Living Bible, if you have the Living Bible or new English translation, whatever, I don't know what it says there, on Mighty 25 and 6, uh, okay, go out and meet him. But the Living Bible says, go and welcome him. That's what it says. Go and welcome him. That word meet means to do what? Welcome. It's not saying go up and meet him. Go and welcome him. And then I'm getting administration. You go and welcome him with the bride. Welcoming the bridegroom. What happens when you welcome the bridegroom? There's a union. Is that okay? Very good. Now the union is what takes place when you say, So shall we ever with him. We're in this spirit. We're joining up with him. Because he that is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit. You following it? Praise the Lord. So here we'll find that it's not talking about going away. It's not talking about flying up into the sky. But rather we are receiving the Lord. Let me give you another example from the book of Acts chapter 28, 14 to 15. You can look at the King James. Acts 28, 14 to 15. And uh, that's what the Bible says. Oh, praise the Lord did i say act twenty eight uh, i said that's not what i'm looking for no 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 let me see if this is actually what, talking about okay friend that's what i that's what i mean let's no keep it there let me see act twenty eight King james okay you were confusing me maybe we were using another translation okay uh so here he says um When we find brethren and we desire to tarry then seven days and so we went towards Rome. They were going towards Rome. Look at the next thing. And from thence, that's from that place when the brethren heard of us I want you to follow this. Is that okay? When the brethren heard of us they came to do what? To meet us. As far as Forum, and the three taverns whom, when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. Now, my question is this. Paul was going to, towards Rome. He was coming from somewhere. I want you to follow it. Are you saying the brethren went to meet him so that we we'll would go back to where Paul came from? Come on. Are you with me? Are you there? Very good. They came to meet Paul on the road to do what? To welcome him to their city. That's what it means. When you meet, you are doing what? Welcoming. You don't meet to go with. So when we teach that when the trumpet sound, we meet the Lord in the air, and then we go because the Lord is come to take us away, we miss the point. When we go up, if you want to, we go up to come down. We don't go up to go away, because the bridegroom comes to the bride. Is it making sense for you? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, here Paul was received, or welcomed. That's what he's talking about. That's what it means to meet. They went and meet him, as far as upper Forum. You know, that means like a distance. Maybe, we land. let's use our geographical setting here. This is Borough, okay? maybe like an airport road. And then you land is coming. So maybe you went as far as to Airport Junction to meet him. To do what? To welcome him. To receive him. When you go to meet somebody, you bring him back to where he's going to. His destination is where both of you will go to. You don't go back to where he's coming from. Is that Okay. Praise the Lord. So if the Lord is coming from the outer space, ordinarily, when we think about that, what is that supposed to mean? We meet Him up in the sky, and then we come down, because we are going to receive Him. (laughs) Praise God. Is it making sense for you? Hallelujah. So what then is the air? What then is the air? So meet the Lord in the air. That is, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. I will just read now, verse 14. And then we'll, see we'll meet the Lord in the air. Let's check it up there. Again, 4th, chapter 4 verse 14. So, what then is there? Praise the Lord. Is it 14, 16, and 17, rather? 17, 16, 17, we we'll read. Right. Then which are allowed that remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. I will explain meeting. Is that okay? in the air so what is the meaning of that he's is it, is it talking about the atmosphere the greek word air as usual actually means to breathe unconsciously that is to respire by analogy to blue air that's what it means he's not talking of the stratosphere is that okay Now, if you begin to study this word, you find that it's that they're talking about the spirit, it has nothing to do with the atmosphere, but the spirit to breathe unconsciously. Is that all right? That's what it stands for. Okay. Now we find places like First Thessalonians. Other places where this word is used is first Thessalonians and 417, like we've just said there, Ephesians 2, verse 2, Revelation 9, verse 2. Ephesians 2, verse 2, Revelation 9, verse 2. We're going to look at a critical verse here, or scripture here, in relation to this. So let's look at Ephesians 2, verse 2, but let's take it from verse 1. Let's take it from verse 1. Praise the Lord. And you are the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, I tried to explain this the other time. You can either be dead in trespasses and sins, or you are dead in Christ. Is that Okay. And then when you are dead in trespasses and sin, you are dead to sin when you are in Christ. You should understand that. Men were are dead in sin and trespasses, they are alive, but sin controls them. Then if you are dead in Christ, Christ controls you. That is not to say you are at the cemetery. If you have to drop the flesh and be buried in the grave, you are not dead in Christ. You sleep in Jesus. You should understand the language. And that is why you find in Acts. Now let me show you one scripture on that before we come back here. Act chapter 7. Let's take the last verse. Just to give it a difference. We'll come back here. Acts chapter 7 and the last verse. Let's have that. Now this is Stephen when he was being stoned. And the Bible said. And he knelt down and cried with a loud voice. The Lord lay all this sin to their charge. And when he had said this. What did he do? He fell asleep. The Bible didn't say he died. He fell asleep. If you take your concordance, strong concordance, and begin to check the word sleep and fell asleep, as touching the fathers of faith, I mean, or the kings of Israel, you find that he slept and was better with the fathers. He slept and was better with the fathers. Do you understand that? Because they were saints of God. So, saints don't die, we sleep. So when you say you're dead in Christ, you're talking a man who is alive, but be controlled by who? By Jesus. He's not dead in the cemetery. And that is why those who are dead in Christ are the people who are to ride first. I've explained that. Remember that? They first come to the place of power, dominion, and authority. Just like we find in Daniel chapter seven, one of those kings rose and came to power. Okay. So let's go back now to Ephesians chapter two, reading from this one. An interesting one as well. Praise the Lord. Okay. So here we go. And you had a quicken who were dead in transpiring sins. And verse 2. Where in time pass, you walked according to the cause of this world. Right? Cause speaks of manner, the way people do things. According to the prince of the power of the air. Same word. The spirit that now walketh in the children of what? Of disobedience. You do get that. Come on, you follow what I'm talking about. So where do you find the air? The air is in people. Not the atmosphere. The prince of the power of the air. The spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience. This is a controlling state in people's life. Nothing to do with the atmosphere. Right? And this why I've led us most time to pray, you know... We think the devil is controlling the atmosphere and all of those things. Remember that? Yeah. But the, the truth is the Bible talking about the spirit that controls people. It's not the one outside of them in the true sense. Praise the Lord. The spirit that walketh in the children of disobedience. So you see here, the air is a man, if you will. The spirit that walketh in children of disobedience, very simple. It's a realm of life outside of the influence of God. In this passage. Praise the Lord. And this is a negative realm of their athlete which is called air. Amen. And this thing that is called air also is what you call high places. In Ephesians 6 verse 12. Let's take out Ephesians 6 verse 12. And they get a good comparison. Ephesians 6 verse 12. For we rest not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness, what? In high places. This is speaking of authority, men in authority, men in power. Is that okay? So, this same high places is equal to the air that we're dealing with in Ephesians 2. He's just speaking of the same thing. Praise the Lord. So, what does it mean to meet the Lord in the air then? Meeting the Lord in the air is simply our union with him in the spirit. And so, so shall we ever be, the world says. We're becoming one with him. He's getting married to us in our spirit man. 1 Corinthians chapter six seventeen, He that is joined to the Lord. is one spirit. That which is joined to the Lord. Let no man put asunder. How I many of you understand what it means to join? To join means to be married. So when 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. It means he who is married to God or to Christ. Have one spirit with him. Is that making sense? Praise the Lord. So. Again, we say that the clouds we are caught up into speaks of our unity and perfect body of Christ and the church composed of the one church of Jesus Christ made up of all the departed saints in Him as all gets united into one body in Him called Mount Zion. I'll try to explain that in the previous studies, which has to do with Hebrew chapter 2, verse 22 to 23. You've come unto my Zion, the city of the living God, in the company of angels, with the spirit of judgment made perfect. How many of you remember that? With blood that speak a better thing than the blood of Heber. We come to that place. So, that's what he's talking about. That's where we are all coming together in. That is the clouds. Nothing to do with the atmosphere. Praise the Lord. And so, when you look at Jude again, that is what he said now. That he's coming the myriad of himself, as we saw earlier on in Jude verse 14. So, this is the cloud we are caught up into, you know, with him. Praise the Lord. Okay. If you take time to study scriptures, there is only one other group of plurality of objects of which it is stated that Christ comes with them or in them, and that is the saints. There is never, I mean, you can't find anything else with which crimes come with or in or through. It's always the sense. Is that okay? It's a company of people that it comes with. Praise the living God. Let's look at how the psalmist put this. A few more minutes, I don't know. Time is always an issue. Turn with me to Psalm 103 verse 1. Psalm 103 verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Look at verse two. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget all, forget not what for benefits. Look at verse three. Who forgiveth all our diseases? And all our iniquities. Now, I would like us to go very quickly to Psalm 104, and that's what I'm really looking for. Let's go to Psalm 104 very quickly. So, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. O oh Lord, my God, that are great, that are clothed with honour and majesty. Who covered herself with the light as with a garment? Who stretched out thy heavens like a curtain? Just read Who laid the beams of his chambers in the waters? Who make the clouds? What? His chariots. Who walketh upon the wings of the wind? Praise the Lord. Who maketh his cloud? What? His chariots. Now, now, how I many of you understand the wind speaks about what? He speaks about the spirit. Jesus said that to Nicodemus, and he said that he that is born, he says you can hear the sound of the wind, but you don't know where it comes from. So, so that are born of the spirit. Is that okay? So when he says, "Who walketh upon the wings of the wind?" That means, you move in the spirit. But the clouds are your chariots. Are you following me? Very good. Look at verse 4. Who it what? His angels, spirits, and his minister what? A flame of fire. So now, you find that the ministers and the cloud, I mean... The, the 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 what do you call it now the angels and the minister that he's talking about here constitute the cloud with which he moves is it making sense praise the lord okay turn with me to psalm 68 verse 17. we make out his cloud his chariot and i don't want you to forget that the chariot of god are 20,000 even thousand of what? Angels. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. Now don't forget Psalm 104 The clouds are what? His chariots. Now the chariots of God are 20,000 and even thousand of angels. Now the word angels means messengers. You got to get that. Is that okay? Okay. And the Lord is among them, as it were with Sinai. Praise the Lord. Look at verse 18. He says, You have ascended on high, you have left away captive a train of vanquished foes. I'm reading for another translation. But let's just receive it from here. Thou have ascended on high, thou have led captivity captive, thou have revealed, received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also that the Lord God might dwell among them. Now, what is this you think is receiving and is giving to the people? This is talking about Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 8 through 11. Is that okay? So when the fivefold ministry we given, what was the next thing that Paul was talking about? He was just quoting from this passage. That means the five of the ministry, which are the messengers of God, they constitute the chariot of God, with which is moving upon the face of the earth. Is it making sense? Because this is where he quoted from, Ephesians 4. Wherefore he said, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gift unto men. Is it making sense? And that's what we just quoted from Psalm 68. Dealing with his chariots. Praise the Lord. You see that? So Paul was quoting this when he began to see men be released by God, saints of God, minister and spirit, and then they become the flame of fire, the sons of God, the messengers of God. And God refers to them as the clouds, or the chariots. which are made up of the cloud. He rides in the cloud, and the chariots of God are 20,000 and even thousands of saints. And God is among them as it were in Sinai. Praise the Lord. Are you following it? So for the Lord to be with them in Sinai and in Jerusalem, speaks of God's power and glory, as seen in His theophan- theophanic expression, in thunder and lightning and voices. For out of Zion the Bible said, the perfection of beauty God has shined. Can we look at Psalm 50 verse number 2? Psalm 50, verse number 2, or we read from verse 1 and 2. Look at verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. What did they say? Psalm 50, verse 1. Psalm 50, verse 1. That's what I said. Praise the Lord. Okay. He says, The mighty God, even the Lord, has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Verse 2. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God have shined. Same thing you find in the book of Deuteronomy 33, as in 32 or so, talking about God coming from my parent, which has to do with my signer, revealing the law, shining forth. In other words, the glory of God is coming from the church and through the church because He is with them and that's where it's coming from. Praise the living God. So the temple of my Sinai speaks of the Lord in His church, which has to do with His body. And I want to say something here. Help me, Lord. Let's look at some. I mean, Revelation twenty-one, verse twenty-two. Very important passage for me tonight. Look at that. Now let's go back a little bit. Maybe twenty. Let's read verse twenty. 22. The fifth son okay, talking about the temple, the crystallite and all of that, what verse 21, and it says, and the twelve gates uh, were three pearls, and every single prayer was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transmitted glass. Now what he's saying here is, he's talking of purity, talking of cleanness, pure glass, no stain. It's not describing that in the street of heaven, it's literal gold and glasses. It's not describing that one bit. Is that all right? When something is cre- as crystal, he's saying there is no contamination. That's what he's speaking about. Gold speaks of the divine nature of God, and so what he's saying here, we have received the divine nature of God. God said, "I'm going to walk in them," so we actually become the street that God walks in and through. Is that all right? Praise the Lord. Because here it's describing the temple of God. So, look at the next scene. Verse 21 now. Verse 22. And it said, I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of this city. What does that mean? Your individuality disappears when you come into this city. Remember, Scripture says, you are the temple of the Lord. is that okay? Very good. So each and every one of us is the temple. But when we come to this union that has to do with God, I mean that has to do with man's, I mean man's Zion, your individuality disappears. It's only God and Christ. You are not to be seen. Yourself is dead when you come to man Zion. It has to be Christ and nothing else. Praise the Lord. Is that okay? Here yeah, we are talking of the people that are filled completely with the Lord himself. Like you find in Ephesians 3 verse 19. No part of you is left but Christ. In this city, in this city we are talking about, there is no temple. No individual temple. It's one temple. The Lord God Almighty and Christ are the temple thereon. on. In this city. You have to find yourself in them. And once you find yourself in them... Your self-identity disappears. Are you there with me? All of that which you are, as important as you think yourself is, disappears when you enter into this city. Only God and Christ are the temple thereof. No self, no pride. So if the clouds, God's people, like we read in Ecclesiastes chapter eleven, verse three, it says the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. We've read that before. Isn't it? I Exodus mean 11 verse number 3. And so when we say, if the cloud be full of rain, we're talking about people that are full of the life of God, they empty themselves upon the earth. In other words, God's church is going to become a blessing to humanity. Praise the Lord. We're going to be a blessing to the rest of mankind, even those who are lost in Adam. And this blessing is coming down, flowing out of us. Basically, from a heart, from a broken heart, completely broken up heart, filled with the life of God. For you can only give what you have. Am I correct? Peter said, "Silver and gold have I known, but I have something. What did he have? He got Jesus. So, if you're going to be people of the company that will bless the nation, you have to have Christ full in you." No self, no self identity. You've lost everything about yourself. The only thing that's readily available in you is Christ. That's the only way you can become a blessing to mankind. The company of people I'm describing have nothing to do with self. Praise the Lord. And how do we become this? I would like to read the scripture today as swear, that will help you. Colossians 3 verse 10. Colossians 3 verse 10. Praise the Lord. Colossians 3 verse 10. Look at this. Okay, let's take him from verse number 9. Verse 9. Liner one to another, saying that you have put off the old man which is dead. Talking about Adam now. You put off the old man which is dead. Right? Okay, verse 10. Look at it. And I put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So you can only become Christ-like through knowledge. Praise the Lord. Why is it so? Because man fell through knowledge in the garden. Through the knowledge of good and evil. That is how you left God. How do you come back to God? Remember, the scripture made us to understand man had to be made in the image and likeness of God. Is that okay? Good. Then when you fell from that image, how did you get out of the image of God? Through knowledge of true of the knowledge of true, uh, of what what, what do you call it now? Knowledge of good and evil. Is that okay? Are we here? That's how you left God. So how do you come back to God? True knowledge. Is that okay? True knowledge. That's what the scripture is saying here. You, You conform to the image of Christ, true knowledge. Praise the Lord. So we are talking about people who are full of this knowledge. And then they'll be able to pour their life back to creation. You see, let me show you exactly what it is. Their words. Help me, Lord. Let's look at Deuteronomy 32. Uh, let me see. Deuteronomy 32, 1 and 2. Deuteronomy 32, 1 and 2. Give ye all heavens, and I will speak, and hear all earth the words of my mouth. Verse 2. My doctrine, Paul is speaking, my teaching shall drop as the rain. Which have to do with life. My speech of the steel, of the dew, as the small rain upon the tender hip, and at the showers upon what? The grass. Grass speaks of people. Is that okay? The rain makes grass to blossom. So what Moses is saying here, my words and my doctrine will cause life to come into you. That is how we are going to bless creation. That's why we are going to bless the nations. Is that okay? I was telling resident pastor yesterday or somebody told me that he went to heaven and grass in heaven was speaking to him. I said, how wonderful. He was in heaven and the grass in heaven were talking to him. I didn't know what the grass said. God didn't talk to him. It was grass that was talking to him. (laughs) Praise the Lord. It's wonderful. We got to finish this today. So, just hold on a little bit. Turn with me to the book of Nehemiah chapter, I mean, Nahum, Nahum, chapter 1, verse 3. Nahum. I'm not sure some of you know that there's a book like that in the Bible. <laughs> Nahum. Have you seen it once? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe check your Bible, you'll be able to see it. Nahum. Look at what his Lord said. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And will not at all unqueath the wicked. The Lord had his way in the wild wind and in the storm. And where in the clouds at the dust of his feet. The clouds are the dust of his feet. What does that mean? He walks in the clouds. Hallelujah. Now what he's saying here is through his cloud which are the dust of his feet is going to execute judgment on the wicked. Is that okay? Mhm. Praise the Lord. So again, again now, go to Psalm 68 verse 34. Let me show you now. Don't forget M1-3, Psalm 68 verse 34. Ascribe your strength unto God. His excellency is over Israel. And his strength is where? In the clouds. Hallelujah. The strength of God is where? It's in the clouds. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But don't forget, what are the clouds? The people. So, since His strength is in the cloud, these are His people who are full of His life. And so, when you read now, Jude 14, from other translation, let's look at Jude 14. Let's look at 14 to 15. If you have a simpler translation, fine. Jude 14, 15. Simple translation, anyone you want. Let's just read that. The strange is in the cloud. On Jude 14. I didn't say judges. I say Jude. The last book to the book of Revelation. Praise the Lord. Okay. J-U-D-E Jude. Alright. So here we go. It was Enoch the seventh, direct descendant from Adam, who long ago prophesied this about them, about those people. Balaam, Corin, Cain. Remember that? Very good. The Lord will come with many thousands of his holy angels. But other transition said the myriad of himself. What is he coming to do? To bring judgment on all... Hey, come on, hold it for me quickly. To bring judgment on all, to condemn all for their godless deeds they have performed, and for all the terrible words that godless sinners have spoken against him. Let's move on a little bit. These people are always grumbling and blaming others. They follow their own evil desires. They brag about themselves and flatter others in order to get their own way. We are reading from the. Good news translation. But remember, my friends, what we were told in the past by the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ. But well, we can stop there. I want you to see the categories of people. Who are you judging? Who is judgment coming unto? That's what I'm for you. Go back a bit. Verse 16. Or oh, 15, 16. Let's go back to 16. 15 now, right. To bring judgment, this cloud, to bring judgment on all, to condemn them all for the godless deeds They have performed and for all the terrible words that the godless sinners have spoken against him, against the Lord. Look at the next thing. And he said, these people are always grumbling and blaming others. These are characteristics you must avoid in your life. They follow their own desires. They don't think of other people's desires. They brag about themselves and flatter others in order to get their own way. Judgment comes to such people. But let's read on. Praise the living God. Are you there with me? And then I want to tell you, how is this judgment going to come? What is the nature of this judgment? Let's look at it. Because sometimes when we look at the word judgment, the only thing that comes to us is, oh, come on, when judgment comes, the sinners are going to perish, sinners are going to go to hell, whatever it is, fine, no problem. But let's look at what judgment does when it comes to the acts. Isaiah 26 verse 9. And then we're going to look at Psalm 67 verse 4. But Isaiah 26 verse 9. Look at it. Isaiah 26 verse 9. Go to King James. With my soul have I desire thee in the night. Yea. With my spirit within me will I seek thee early. Early morning. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will do what? Lend righteousness. The outcome of judgment is what? Righteousness. Not condemnation. So when a cloud begins to move, that's how we're going to bless the nation. That's why when the cloud is full of rain, it pours itself upon the earth. We're going to cause people to come to the place of Righteousness. That's how we bless nations. Not condemning them. Not sending them to hellfire somewhere. No, we don't do that. That's not how to bless people. We bless them. We bring them back to God. To begin to live a righteous life. Is that okay? Look at Psalm 67 verse 4. Psalm 67 verse 4. Oh, let the nations be glad. And sing for joy. For thou shalt judge the people righteously. And govern the nations upon the earth. How can people be rejoicing when judgment is coming? With the way we've been taught in the church. The nations are going to rejoice, but God, because God's judgment is coming to them. Why? Because with your judgment upon the earth, the inhabitants of the world will do what? Learn righteousness. That's how the saints are going to bless the world. Praise the Lord. You follow me? So God bless him, follow righteousness, and the people are rejoicing after judgment. Therefore, Jesus approached the cross, and the glorious event to unfold thereafter, He disclosed the grand truth that God proposed for Himself from eternity, that man will share of His glory, to have the company of sons. And so I'm going to read the last scripture for us. You see what I'm trying to say there. Look at Ephesians 1 verse 20 from message translation. We read from verse 20. God desires all this energy, talking about the life of God, that raised Jesus from the grave. Is that okay? All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death, set him up on throne in deep heaven. Oh, heaven is deep? <laughs> Glory to God. Okay. And he says, "Is in charge of running what the universe? The Spirit in Christ is in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from His rule. Not just for the time being, but forever." Hallelujah. Verse twenty-two. And he says, "He is in charge of it all." has the final word on everything. At the center of all of this, Christ rules the church. Is that okay? The devil is not ruling the church. The devil will not rule the church. Christ rules the church. Okay? Verse 23. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. In other words, we don't take our life from the world. The world takes its life from the church. Glory to God. The church is Christ's body, in which He speaks and the what acts, by which He fills everything with what His presence. Glory to God. This is justice. This is how we're going to bless the nations. So when he said the Lord is coming with a thousand of his sins, the cloud being his feet, being the chariot, turn 20,000 and thousands of messengers, we are going to be distributing the presence of God wherever we find ourselves, in the marketplace, in the schools, anywhere you go. We are going to raise a righteous community. We are going to rule nations through the presence of God. That is what the Bible is talking about. Jesus coming in the clouds of heaven. He's not talking about the atmosphere. talking about the people who manifest His presence wherever they go. God expects you to distribute Him anywhere, anytime. And that's why I was telling people the other time, I've shared it here with you before, where you talk about the shadow of Peter healing the people. It's not the natural shadow. It's not the shadow cast by light. The shadow of Peter that was healing people was the glory of God that was emanating from his body. Is that okay? You are a carrier of God's glory. You are a carrier of God's presence. So wherever you find yourself, things must change. Praise God. God bless you. I love you.